he is. And many of us go through life just on fumes. But the Lord says that he who began that good work in you, he's faithful to complete it. This is a memorial weekend. And we're remembering those who sacrificed their lives for us in this country. But we also want to put our remembrance on the Lord. They gave all they had. But it was the Lord who won the victory for this nation. It is the Lord who triumphs over his word. It is the Lord who watches over his word to perform it in all of our lives. And when we're the weakest, and I believe that was why I'm in this state this morning, in the weakest, that's when the Lord wants to show himself mighty on our behalf. So my, just a word that I was hearing this morning to all of you, Don't grow weary, but hold on to the promise of the Lord. For he who watches over his word to perform it in your life is actively seeing where each and every one of you is at the moment. And he will show himself mighty. This song is just a simple one that we all know. God bless America. But it also, there's there's a prayer in here. It is a prayer. That we all need to remember that it's the Lord who is with our troops. And as our nation is weak economically and every other way, as we lift up our voices in prayer and trust the Lord, he'll show himself mighty. Hallelujah.
I'm animated. I hate to hold things. I start. And I wasn't very good at being Catholic. (laughs) To make you feel comfortable. (sighs) You know, it's tomorrow's a a day of remembrance and honoring, and it's a day that, that I believe that we actually give thanks. And that's. We don't celebrate Memorial Day. We observe it. And it's been happening for 160 years in this country. I actually found a little uh, article from Redlands 100 years ago in 1912. They were having an observance of what we call Memorial Day today. And And they were all gathering together at a church, the city and the military Wow, can you believe it? They actually thought that it was okay to go into a church together. How far we've come to observe Memorial Day of of 1912. And in attendance that day, the newspaper reported that there were 57 survivors from the Civil War in attendance. And that was just, wow. Wow. That was quite amazing for me. But it's a day, I think, that we give thanks. And I'm not alone. I, I want to read a quote by somebody who's semi-known for a few things. It is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Right there. Never stop with, with one sentence. Rather, we should thank God that such men lived. George Patton. It is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Remember, the word mourn is very specific there. He didn't say not to remember them. He didn't say not to honor them. He said to mourn them. But rather, we should thank God that such men lived. There is something in in people, in certain people, that will stand up above all costs and do the right thing and make that sacrifice. It's a trait and a value that I don't see, I don't think I see as much as we used to see in this nation. This nation's been on a, a trek to, of selfishness, lifting up the I over the we 
for far too long. And we're seeing the results of it. Even in the, in the military today, and, and there's nothing wrong to, go to want to go to college and find a way to pay for it, but many of the men and women serving in the armed forces today are going in for other reasons. My brother was a recruiter in the military. And uh, did you know that they actually pay recruiters more money than they pay those who jump out of planes? <laughs> my, my brother did both, and he got a pay raise when he quit jumping out of planes and decided to enlist people into the military instead. But people go in for different reasons, and uh, many of them go in for the, the GI Bill, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. They're going to, to do the service. I know, though, when we went to war in Iraq in 2001, that there was a lot of people very shocked and surprised that they actually had to fight for their country. We become a little self Centered and, and, and it's been a long process that's been bringing us down a road that we have shut ourselves off from neighbors and we concentrate on what's best for me. There's wonderful things that have come out because of, of the ability to get ahead in life. I don't believe we should live in a socialistic country where everybody's held down in a sense and equal, but, but we've gone too far in the independent thinking. I think that we've lost, on a large degree, the idea of living together as family and as brethren. The key text this morning, there's a few, but the, the, the key text this morning is Psalm 133, verse 1. I almost asked the worship team to play it. It's an oldie. I can hardly say the Scripture without singing it. Behold how good... And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that that's a psalm. And, you know, we, we, we really refer mostly as the brethren to those who are under Christ. The brethren. But there was an understanding in family in the, in the Old Testament and, and in the Mediterranean culture that we don't have today. That it, you can still find it in other cultures. But our cultures have broken those things down and we can trace it back to so many different, different times in the United States of, of people even moving from, from the cities into suburbs where they used to live walking distance to, to stores. And, and towns were set up. Some of you remember that a town would be set up where they would have a neighborhood, and in that neighborhood there was a store, and in that neighborhood there was a school, and in that neighborhood there was all the things for life within walking distance. Even the advent of the car, the invention of the car coming onto the scene began to change that, but even then, if there was a car, many people didn't have it. If they had one, they had one and the husband might have been using it for work. And the wife who would, who would go to the store would walk and do the chores on foot. And on the way, again, if those who've been to old neighborhoods, the houses were, were located, you know, they, they were right there and there was a little bit of yard in front and there was porches and people would sit on their porch. On hot days especially, they would go out and sit on the porch. And people walking by, they would say hello and they actually knew their names. And it sounds like, you know, it, it sounds like some of the old 50s TV shows. You know, my three sons or leave it to beaver and somebody. But th there was a time that life was was very community oriented. Kids knew the kids in their neighborhood and their parents didn't have to drive them across town to pick the better friends. They there was only whatever you had was in town and your little neighborhood is what you had. And you made do with that. People went to the same store and they shopped and they. They had that life of community. That began to break down more and more as people moved out of those places into suburbs and further away and where they actually had to go to larger shopping centers to do their shopping. The breakdown of the community is, is many things have added to that. And today we, we live in the result of it without often thinking or remembering what it was or asking the question, is what we're doing wrong. So many inventions come and they help us. And they come along slowly 
we, we, we just begin to appreciate their value. How many people can leave the home easily without their cell phone these days? You get in the car. There's a few of you who still can. I, I know there's sometimes so many people, they get in their car without their cell phone, even though they're just going to the store and they go, oh. and then they get out of the car. They walk back into the house to get their cell phone so they can drive four minutes to the store. Here's a newsflash for us. You're not that important. <laughs> but we've bought into this weirdness of, of technology and some of it has, 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 has really helped. There's, there's, been, there's times that, that the technology we have is benefiting us, but often we don't ever bother to ask the question, what is this doing to the family? What is this doing to us? Where is this leading us? And this is not going to be a message on the end times, but something happened in the store uh, yesterday. There was a gentleman who came up to me and asked if I'd write a, a pastoral letter to the store because they're putting in biometric scanners for time clocks. And so the employees now will scan their right hand to clock in and to clock out. This is in Big Bear. They're going to scan their right hand to clock in and clock out. And, you know, it's not, that's not far from here to here. But we don't think about these things much of the time. We go, you know, this is going to be more convenient. You know, I mean, it, you know, the, the store is going to, people can't, you know, falsely sign in for other people, which is sad. We have to consider those things. You just walk by a little machine and you're, you're clocked in. We never rarely ask, is this something that we should be doing? Is this something that is good? And, and in the breakdown of the community, that is something we have failed to ask for such a long time that the community is broken down now. We think it odd that families live together. I think of Hispanic, in the Hispanic culture, and we see multiple families living together. And by and large, we probably stand in judgment of some type going, that's just odd. Have we ever thought that the way we live might be odd? Have we ever thought that the way we do things, we have, we have really broken apart some fundamental pieces of what God has intended us to keep? And because of that, we're missing part of His plan for us as individuals, as part of the corporate body. Think of the Mediterranean family. The setup, it was, it was a strong family culture. It was set up with the, the patriarch, the matriarch, the father and the mother, and, and their kids were part of this strong culture. And any male chi- child in that house would remain part of the family line- lineage. Now, the daughters, and this is just, it's Mediterranean, you can research this. The daughters, when they were, they, as they were born, once they get married, they become part of the family of their husband. So you have a, a father and a mother, and they have a couple of sons and a daughter. The sons will stay part of this family line. The daughter is part of the family until she marries, and she comes over to this family line, which is all connected through the males. They'll live closer together, often live together. Their, their ties go all the way back. As a culture, we put our parents in skilled nursing facilities because they're too much work to take care of. Shame on us. But we're living in a culture that promotes that. Well, look at the house. I... I have to work and my wife has to work because we have this house and we can't, don't have the time to care for our family. So we'll pay somebody else to care for our family. There's a stirring and a shaking up that I believe God wants us to come. And if you haven't figured out yet, we've moved off to the right side of the sanctuary. We're in community. God desires us, as Psalm 133 says, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 
I believe the Lord wants us to be much more connected with one another than we are in general. Now, you might be in here and you might already have community down. You, it, it, it might be flowing very well for you, and I pray that it is, but there's a lot of us in here that need to learn it. Learn to, to live in community. and It's going to look different for us, and Jesus actually said that it would. He grew up in a strong family culture. A couple of generations before Jesus, there was an epic power struggle came on the scene. And and the characters you know, at least one of them, and that's Mark Antony. The story of Antony and Cleopatra. You know that you know the story from Shakespeare's version of it. But Antony was a real person in Rome. He was a leader. And before Cleopatra came onto the scene, there was a struggle. Because Rome was divided between the east where Antony was and on the west you had Octavian who later became Caesar Augustus. And there was this struggle in Rome and they were afraid that Rome was going to break down and so they thought it would be best to, to bring a, a marriage and they would do this often. They, they brought a marriage into the situation going, if we can marry into each other's families, maybe we can have solve this dispute. And so Antony married Octavian's half-sister Octavia. And it was really this, this idea, and they, it was a gift to say, you know, Antony, will you take Octavia's and, and, and marry her so they could join the two east and west together? But it didn't work. They still had the power struggle. The issues still came up. Now, Octavia said, and this, this, you, can, you can research this, she appealed to her brother because war was imminent. It wasn't going well, and she appealed to her brother, and she said, don't make me the most wretched woman alive after being the happiest. She was happy with Antony. We get these ideas, too, that, you know, all arranged marriages are bad, and just, you know, just it's got to all be in love. And, you know, we, we've been marrying for, for the sake of love for a long time, and we're up to over 50% divorce rate, so well, that's not exactly the right way to go either. That's all. It's selfish. That's a very, even a very can be very selfish. Maybe be very careful. That's a whole other thing. And I just. But but she was arranged. <laughs> she was arranged into this marriage. And, and I guess what, I, what the reason I'm saying that is, we've shot down that part of every other culture. You know, arranged marriages or anything else. We we've shot it. Shot all those things down, and said, live for yourself. Do what makes you feel good. And 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 I think we've gotten off track to some large degrees. I'm not saying we should start arranging marriages. That's not what I'm saying. But, but we shoot down all these other cultures for the things that have, have worked because, because we have this selfish, and I believe the enemy is really behind it. So here it is. Octavia loves Antony. And she, she, is, she said she's the happiest woman alive. She says, don't make me the most wretched woman. But the war kept happening. And you would think if she is the happiest woman alive, if this was an American story, what would happen? She would choose her husband and she would leave her family and she would be united to her husband who she loves. She didn't. She went back to her family roots. Blood is thicker than water. We've always heard. There was something in the culture in Jesus' time and before that about a strong familial unit that was supposed to be strong and not be broken easily. And we have come so far from that. But Jesus, being the radical that he was, broke it. He broke it. Matthew twelve forty eight. Living in the midst of of this strong family culture. You don't come against the family. You know, I, 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 I see all these Italian movies coming in, and I mean, all these, all these flashes. Matthew twelve forty-eight. You know, starting in verse 47. Then somebody said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother 
and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus the rebel. He was making a point that the spiritual family actually outweighs, is more important than the physical family. He was saying that something so profound and radically different. He was saying, no, this is now family. Now, for us, when we say this is family, that means nothing. Because family, for many of us, is they live across town and we might get, get together once or twice a year. There are people probably in this room who have family in this city who maybe see them twice a year. But in the time, Jesus was saying this family was everything. They were still arranged in tribes. They knew which tribe they had come from. Paul talked about the tribe, his lineage. Family was important. And Jesus was saying, listen, on top of all that, don't discount that. I don't believe he's saying discount that. And that's nothing. He says, this supersedes the family unit. When we read the scriptures and we see scriptures, we're going to go there today talking about the body of Christ being a family. And brethren, we need to not look at it today. We need to understand that it was written 2,000 years ago and how close were brothers then. There was a bond and a unity inside of families that we don't always see today. And I pray that that yours is, is, is great. I pray that your family unit is tight. But the understanding of what God was trying to build is so important. He wants us to live together in, in unity. He wants us to dwell together in community. Let's go to the book of Acts. And, and there were so many places to go. We're going to go to book of Acts chapter 4. So Jesus sets up that this is the family of God. And in Acts chapter 4, they get it. We, we see that they're, they're doing this. Acts chapter 4 verse 32 says, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart... And one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet. And they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I'm not going to go into chapter 5. And, and we're not going to go there today where people die that don't share everything. Okay, we have grace today because the scriptures in verse 33 says, Great grace was upon them all. Great grace. These were people that were living together. Now, can you even think of some, some times in our history, stories that you would know that you found out, oh my goodness, some, so-and-so sold their property and they gave all the money to the church. What a waste that was. I mean, I hear it. I hear, I hear these things. And... and, and if you're going to do something like that, you want to make sure that the administrator who's handling the funds and that, that there's good things happening. But what I love in this passage here is it says that nobody considered what they owned as being their, their own. They weren't compelled to sell it. They weren't demanded that they had to. But they lived in such a way with one another that they said, I don't, I don't need this lot of land for myself. Let's... Let's bring it into the family. And the family divided it as they needed. Of one heart in the Greek, it means that they were in tune. In verse 32, it says they were in one heart and one mind. The one heart is, it means they were in sync. They were in tune. Isn't it wonderful when you're together with people who are just... You even use them, man. We're, just, we're in sync today. 
know, when, you play in a, when you're playing music with people, you have to be in sync. There's even strumming patterns. And if you don't strum quite right, you can, you can be playing the same chords at the same tempo. We'll play, you know, we're going to play G, C, and D, and we're going to play it 100 beats, and we're going to do a, a four measures on G and four measures on C and four measures on D, and you start playing, and there's something wrong because one of the players is not quite in sync. Timing is good, chords are good, but the sync is wrong. When I, went, when I was learning how to lead worship many years ago with Mark Johnson, we sat for hours upon hours in his living room before we toured. And all we did was strummed. It was horrible. <laughs> he, was re- he was relentless. Mark, I hope you're listening to this tape today. We had to strum and, and, and I had to learn and he, he, he just made me. But I learned how to strum exactly like he was so that we were in sync when we, when we were out. And it says that the brothers, that they were in sync with each other. There was something good going on. And then it goes on and says that they were of one mind, or some versions say one soul. And that's a great phrase because it, the word, wording really, literally means that they were breathing spiritually together. <gasps> you know, there's the breathing began to come in sync, and it was the same, same thing. They were together. They were living in, in koinonia. They were living in fellowship. The word koinonia, which is found throughout the scriptures, um, it, it really means in, in fellowship together, but it, one of the ways they, they translate it is communication. The same word koinonia can be used as communication and as fellowship. And you read and you go, wow, it's the same word. You know, it, it's just how, they, how it was applied in that uh, passage of scriptures but you know it takes two people to communicate it takes two people to communicate i am really we're, i'm not really communicating with you because you're just listening we're not involved you know i mean we, we call this a form of communication but communication it takes two that's what the co-part if it was just one person i guess we should call this unimunication i'm unimunicating Communication, it takes two. It's, at the very least, it's talking and listening, but, but man, my dog listens. I mean, I don't communicate with my dog. So there's an active part that happens with people, and that's the same word as fellowship. We're in this together. We need to live in community. I put up, a, I, I just made this silly slide. I make silly things, and I'm going to see if it'll, it's not going to work. <clears throat> Brian's got it. Thanks, Brian. Never mind. (laughs) Community? Go ahead and just click it up there. Community. We're just going to spend the next few weeks talking about changing the way we do things and living in community. Go ahead and, I don't know how you do it, there's there's an action that's going to happen in here. But you know, in the middle of community, something comes out of it, and we'll see if it does it. In the middle of community, it's you and I. In the middle of community, it has to be you and I. It can't just be I, and it can't just be you, but we have to be living together. Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brethren live together in unity. And there it is, unity again, you and I. I guess the T.Y. can stand for thank you. You and I. Thank you. We live together. We don't live for ourselves. The biggest problem, I think, that, that hinders unity and community in, in this generation is that it's all about me. I mean, think of that, you know, country song. Want to talk about me, not talk about you. I mean, you know. We, we've bought in this hook, line, and sinker. But God is bringing us back, and He, and he really is putting... We need to live in community with one another. And that means that we are going to have to do this together. And I was thinking about this. Well, I see a lot of people in the church. I see a lot of givers. 
and they're giving to other people in the church and they're serving other people in the church and they're doing that. And then I said, look at all these other people. They're receiving all the things that are given. And I went, wait a second, that's giving and then receiving. That's not one another. That's like one way. One of the things that hinders us in the church, you know a lot of people who give can't receive? And a lot of people that receive don't give. <laughs> yeah, there's times that you just don't have anything to give today. But there's a part of this of the New Testament that breaks that down and, and changes it. If I were to say to my kids, which I've done many a times, apologize to one another. Matthew, he, he had such a cute voice when he was young. You know, he would say, sorry. Is it over? I said, apologize to one another. So then Zach goes, I sorry. He doesn't anymore, but he used to. He apologized. He apologized. And then you might say, go ahead and hug one another. And so they would hug. It's always cute when little kids... Caden and Samuel fight all the time. And they just... They love each other, and they fight like crazy. And so after they fight, we always, you know, apologize. And, and, give you, and they, it's so cute when little, little things hug each other. A hug with one another isn't where one person is hugging and the other one's going like this. <laughs> Though you've been hugged by people, and that's what you wanted to do. <laughs> when you do one another, it's reciprocal. It's not only one way. We've allowed ourselves, and I'm going to say that I'm one of these. I give much easier than I receive. I've taught my, I'm teaching myself, and I've been for many years, to receive better. But also on the quest that I'm on, I am learning to receive from people that in the past I wouldn't have received from. I'm being honest. You ever have somebody come up to you and give advice? And you go, you're giving me advice? <laughs> Let me tell you how it goes. And we never confess this because we're not real. You know, you're really real with your family, but, and, and, and you really don't want to come to my family gatherings because we get very real. But we have these things sometimes inside of us. And God wants to break these down and say, no, I'm giving you some direction. And, I, and, and they're just pretty much referred to as the one another's. The one another's. And I want to I really just close up today. We're going to spend a few weeks um, on, on this topic of, of community. I've asked Pastor Floyd Evers to come and bring the word next week. And I'm excited. So tell people that it's safe to come back because somebody else is preaching. <laughs> you don't have to be embarrassed. A new command I give you, love one another, John 13. Romans 12, be devoted to one another. I'll put these on the website with the facilitation guide so you can get these. You don't have to write. There's a lot. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Live in harmony with one another. I hate to admit that this was a revelation to me. I thought it was all about me. Surprise, I bought into the thing that we've been buying into. I'm going, to do the, I'm going to be devoted to people. I'm going to live in harmony with people. But do I let them live in harmony with me? Do I let them be devoted to me? Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Romans 13. Here's a, here's a stop one. Stop passing judgment on one another. So when somebody stops judging you, you don't get to go in there. I'm glad he finally stopped judging me. That's all he ever does. He judges everybody. <laughs> Except one another. 
you are competent to instruct one another. You know, everybody has something to offer. Everybody has something to offer. One of my greatest lessons was in this church. Many years ago, we had an electric guitar player on the worship team, Doc Johnson, and he got saved in his 50s. And um, the story goes from those who worked with him that he was a pretty arrogant man before he came to Christ. Some of you may have actually had him as a doctor and went, Amen, brother. That was a long time ago. He came to Christ. And I remember sitting in a little Bible study and Jonathan Tunnell, who was 12 at the time, started talking. And Eric Johnson scooted to the edge of his chair and looked intently at what Jonathan was saying. And he wanted to soak up what the 12-year-old had to say. He was the head of Loma Linda University Medical Center, emergency room. God touched his heart and he understood that he could instruct people and be instructed. Instruct one another. We need to humble ourselves to do that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Guatemala was fun. We kissed everyone. <laughs> Agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you. Another couple more. First, second Corinthians both. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Mike Benedetti, he's got this. You know, if you came to the church for the first time and you got hugged and kissed and wanted to run away, you know, just embrace that. You know, he's married. Guys, he's married. You don't have to worry about it. Okay? He just loves. Serve one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. These are great. You submit that and they submit back. And we're in, we're in wonderful relationship here. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. We get real, some of us get real high and mighty and then others get real timid. And so as high and mighty people, we just want to teach everyone. And the timid people just go, oh, teach me. I have nothing good to say. No, admonish one another. Teach one another. Live in community. Encourage one another and build each other up. Encourage one another daily. That's where this comes in really good. Gary does a good job at this. He texts people. He, he's got a text list. And he texts them out and he encourages them through text. There's a lot of people to encourage every day. So, but you can use ways to encourage one another and receive encouragement. Let's consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Who's ever worked out at the gym? Raise your hand. There's a few of you. <laughs> Okay, okay. Now, now, put your hand up if, if you've ever not showed up because you found out your partner wasn't going either. Right? You know, when you go to the gym, if you want to really succeed in, in working out or losing weight, don't do it alone. Go with someone. You know why? You can encourage each other and spur each other on together. You do it. You know, when, when I used to work out, which was, was a while ago, I used to li lift weights and, and, and I'd, I'd bench press. And the guy I was working out with, he, was, he, he benched 315 and I benched like, you know, 90. No, but <laughs> he was a big boy. And, but he would get up and he would just encourage me. And I got up, you know, over like 200 pounds bench pressing. It, 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 and I wouldn't have done it if he wasn't encouraging me. But I would yell at him and encourage him and he got to 315. Encourage each other. You can do so much more when you're, when you're in that. And guys, ladies, us guys, we encourage each other differently than you ladies do. It's okay. What we do is okay. You Come on! Dog face, go! You girls, you can do it. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Offer hospitality. Live in harmony with one another. These are great one another's. Submit to one another once again. 
All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Okay, Lord, I'm hearing you. Greet one another with a kiss of love. And first, John, we know what he's going to say. Before he says it, though, he says this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We can't have fellowship. We can't do this if we don't walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. You can't live in harmony with one another unless you have Christ living inside of you. Because, frankly, I'm going to drive you crazy and you're not going to want to push through and be in relationship with me for very long. But Christ in you can help us overcome the little things and even the big things that drive us apart and keep us isolated. Christ in us needs to overcome that so we can have fellowship one with another and live in community, communicating, doing these things. We need help and we need strength. And that's what Jesus said. These are my brothers and sisters. They're the ones who are doing His will. They were the ones who are in Christ. We can't live the one another's outside of Him. But inside of Him, we're encouraged to do it. And if there is a lot of these written down for us to do, that means it's not easy and it doesn't come natural. Things that come natural, you don't have to address. My brethren, don't forget to breathe. Over pages, pages of times that says, do this together, do this together. It's not natural, but we push through because of Christ and we find ourselves living in the middle of God's will for us. Five places in the book of John, because at the end of John's life, it all came down to this. Love one another. Love one another. I'm pretty sure the Bible says somewhere that love covers a multitude of sins. When you love, and when you put on that love and understand that 1 Corinthians love that is, is God is love, as, as Robert talked about this morning, God is love and love is patient, love is kind. As we put on love, as we live in Christ, that love is going to finally cover the multitude of sins that your neighbor commits. And sins are, are those things that just bug you. I can't believe the way they do that and this and that. And all the things that keep us apart, rather than pushing through, getting over the rough spots and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push past these rough edges to find out what's at the heart. You have to love to get past. And when you do, you'll find yourself in the middle of community. And I know that there is a number of people living here in community with other believers. Some of it's happening really well in our life groups. It's the desire that those would promote community. But a small group, a life group, isn't a community group. It's not community until you and the people with you step over the line and start doing one another. If you treat your group that you attend as a Bible study you're not going to find community in it. You're going to get smarter. You're going to have great encouragement, encouraging times maybe, but you step over the line of the one another's happening in and through your groups and way beyond. It's not limited to one night a week. It should be happening throughout the week. But you got to love. God, help us to love one another. God, help us to see the value in living in community. We can look in the, in the New Testament for the examples of the brothers doing this. And I loved what it said in, in chapter 4 of Acts. Great grace was upon them all. One of the things they did was they were of one heart and one soul. If that's part of the recipe for having God's great grace, I'm in. Let's stand. Father, we need Your grace upon us this day and every day. Your grace to live for You. Your grace to walk this life. God, we need grace for one another. We need love for one another. God, I pray that You would stir up the gifts. God, I pray that the fruit of the Spirit would be more and more manifested in our lives as we walk in the Spirit so that we can fulfill what You desire. Clearly, You desire us to live more in community, to be in relationships one with another in the body of Christ, to look at each other more 
than just people who attend the same church, but as family. God, that we'd understand, help us to understand what, what your idea of family is, God, because some of us have come from broken families. Some of us in this room want nothing to do with families based on their experience. God, bring healing as you unite us and knit us together as the body of Christ, as the family of God. As you are our Father and we together are all brothers and sisters. God, as we take this journey of learning over the next few weeks and of being inspired and encouraged, I pray that we would begin to do something that we will continue to do forever, and that's grow more and more together in unity and community. We thank you for this service. God, ahead of time, I would pray and thank you for the food that we're going to share together, even just hot dogs and drinks. God, we thank you for the fellowship and the unity we'll even have today, this afternoon. God, even tomorrow as maybe people will be having barbecues, I pray you would open and expand our minds to say, who should we invite? Bless us, God. Strengthen us. God, give us extra grace and strength to live, live this life out as we encourage and love one another in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah.